0: to help make this possible so please consider supporting our mission by visiting the spoken gospel website clicking on donate and contributing what you can whether you choose to donate once or monthly we're so grateful for your support okay now on with the show
1: welcome to the spoken gospel podcast
0: spoken gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible Old Testament and new is about Jesus And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We're so thankful that you're joining us. Seth, how are you feeling today as we approach the book of Kings? Man,
1: Kings is a beast.
0: It's a beast. It's a
1: beast. I don't know if... I mean, 480 years of Israel's history have already passed up until this point, and I'm pretty sure... They kind of like mark it as another 480 years. Like that's mm. like chronologically, they kind of put it in there so you have like a multiple of 12. Anyway, it's, oh. like, it's like a whole thing. Okay, it's a whole numbers thing, you know. Yeah. The Bible. They like
0: it, the Bible likes numbers. So, but anyway,
1: try to fit 480 years of history into like one book. Yeah, has felt really overwhelming. But yeah. I'm also really excited because it's like I feel like this is one of the, it's it's not the only book that I felt like at my end of understanding, mm-hmm. like I felt like Ecclesiastes was that way. Yeah, But this one, if we're like Ecclesiastes, just felt deep. Mm-hmm. This one just feels like massive,
0: unexhaustible. Yeah. It's just like this
1: giant history of a nation from its founding to its exile mm-hmm. and how the Lord like did stuff, how he spoke to right. prophets, how he ruled through Kings, yeah. how bad people were, how he pro- like.
0: There's a lot like how wisdom works. How yeah, because the I- the issue is, and we should just talk about this. That first and second kings, mm-hmm. that we're just going to call kings because it's one book. It's one book. Um, it was two scrolls. It was two scrolls. One, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's one book, it's uh, book. Is not a history book, even though it's about history. It's not a political book, even though it is about politics. Right. Yeah. It is a theology book rooted in history and politics, and so like what I feel overwhelmed by it has is an agenda. Is, right. <laughs> yeah. What I I don't feel overwhelmed by. Okay, let's trace the kings and who ruled when and what happened and why and da 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 mm-hmm. da. That's not overwhelming. That just takes time memorization. to in memorization like. Uh, which I kind of remember like that is what my classes were in like seminary or just like yeah. list the Kings in order uh, of Israel and then list them in order in Judah. And it was like, <gasps> yeah, boring it's, and like, yeah. kind of pointless. So like, yeah. uh, it's helpful to what, to like, to understand the flow of the yeah. book. But even then it's like,
1: that's the, the, the historical setting <sighs> yeah. is just that it's, it's the, a background. It's, it's a backdrop the setting for God's work and God's wisdom and yeah. God's message and God's words. Like and I mean that's probably a pretty good like thesis for our lives in general. Mm. Like the most important thing is not our lives. Like mm. The like our lives as we live them and have children and like what job you had when
0: you got your promotion where you lived is
1: historical background to the drama of what God is doing in us and through us and is communicating to His people. Yep, about Himself. About Himself.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, anyway. That was a very meta way to start the podcast. It is
1: such a meta way, but it's like, I don't like, I Welcome
0: don't, to waxing eloquently with spoken gospel. <laughs> or just waxing eloquently <laughs> is like up for
1: debate, but we have waxed on spoken gospel and now we will wax off. Uh, Goodbye and we will see you next week.
0: No, do, no. Not, do not change do that not channel. Okay. okay. Um, so uh, where are we in Israel's history when we've come to the book of Kings? Yeah. Right. So I mean,
1: like, if you've been following us from the very beginning, you'll know that God has chosen a people, the mm-hmm. people of Abraham, and God promised to Abraham that he would give him uh, children that would outnumber the sand on the sea. And mm-hmm. that, for the first time, will actually get repeated in the book of Kings, not as a promise, but as a fulfillment. Mm-hmm. So we actually get the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham 480 years ago. It's a big, or no, at this point, it's even it's longer. way longer. It's way longer Yeah. Than that. Long time ago. It actually happens. Mm. So that's the story we're tracing, the story of the family of Abraham becoming a...
0: A a, A nation. A
1: nation that is innumerable Mm -hmm. and going from a tribe and from a clan to a tribe to a kingdom. Yeah. Um, And now we are... On the very beginning of um, Israel as a kingdom, like right. with an actual king, so you have this mm-hmm. period of time in the Book of Judges, right, bleeding over the books of First and Second Samuel, where they were ruled by tribal chieftains, tribal mm-hmm. leaders. Uh, these people like Deborah. These are people like Samuel.
0: Yep, that God would raise up,
1: he would raise up to accomplish His purposes, um, at fight his, against the enemies, fight against the enemies, but also judge Israel to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Now, as we transition into kings, we get the transition from tribal forms of government mm-hmm. which would basically be decentralized now you have a central government ruling all the tribes right which
0: started with Saul who mm-hmm. failed and then ultimately King David who succeeded which you read about in 1st and 2nd Samuel and now Kings opens with David's death
1: yes so at yep. the very end of 2nd Samuel getting like David's rise and fall David's rise to power and his descent and fall mm-hmm. from grace after Bathsheba and everything else that goes on in his life and really the fulfillment of God's promises in 2nd Samuel 7. God promised Samuel that his son would reign on a throne forever. Mm-hmm. So when we open up 1st Kings, we have David dying and his son Solomon taking the throne.
0: Yeah, or better there's two sons. Two sons, yes. Yeah, and who's going to who's going to be the promised son is the question. Is it yes. is it Adonijah? Is, is that, it Adonijah is it? Yeah. and
1: Solomon? And there's actually, it's like a lot of fun tension. It's like Yeah. Who's and Adonijah's older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: uh and Solomon is younger and also the son of his weird marriage with Bathsheba. So it's like I don't know, I'd probably choose Adonijah if I was just picking blind here, you know, without any knowledge. Anyway, so it is interesting. Yes. That's so it's just all the historical things that are happening. You know, yes. to lead us to this point.
1: So, yeah, and you're absolutely right. So when we open up First and Second Kings, what we get, we're introduced into a battle for kingship. That's right. Who is the promised son? Mm-hmm. Adonijah or Solomon? Right. And that's how the book of Kings starts.
0: Yes, and that's really the question that should be ringing in our ear throughout the entire book is who is the promised son who will sit on the throne forever? Because...
1: 44 chapters should yeah. tell you that it's not Solomon. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Solomon.
0: And so like really at the end of the book, there's still this question of like, is there a promised king? Who is the promised king? And so the the, so the you, conflict at the beginning really carries throughout the entire book.
1: Yeah. And it's even like, and that who is the king that will sit forever is really important because mm-hmm. the very last story we're told is a really strange one. It in the is. Book of Kings. Yeah. So essentially, spoiler, Israel Goes into exile. <laughs> they go to Babylon. The kingship is diminished. Everyone's destroyed or sent off to some random place to be controlled by Babylon. Except for one heir of David's throne who is allowed permission to sit at the king of Babylon's table.
0: Even though he was evil.
1: Even though he was evil. Yeah. And in the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 27th day of the month, Evil Mariodot, king of Babylon, in the year that it began to reign, graciously freed Jehoiakim or Jehoiakim.
0: Jehoiakim? Jehoiakim? Eh, you know, it's a transliteration. It's right.
1: whatever it is, his name. King of Judah from prison. The king of Babylon yep. frees the king of Judah <sighs> from prison, speaks kindly to him, and gives him a seat above the seats of the king who were with him in Babylon.
0: So you still have a king. Yep, there's still a king. He's all, in exile.
1: In exile, but he's privileged and next to power. Right. That's how the book ends. Yep. So is he the son that will stay forever? Well, he's not on God's throne. He's not on right. Israel's throne. God doesn't seem to have abandoned his promises, but the question that we ha- we're starting the book with remains. That's right.
0: Who's Who? the king that will last forever? Who's the king that will last forever? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And so that that's really a central question that the book is answering. And obviously this is the force um, uh, uh, of the argument of the entire Old Testament that leads us to Jesus. Uh, that people have been waiting for a king, and so when Jesus comes to Earth and people call him king, and you know, Pilate asks him, "Are you king of the Jews?" You know, he's asking the same question: Are you this king they've been waiting for that they're claiming that they they need and have, and is it you? Like that's that you have said so. You have said so <laughs> is what Jesus says to Pilate, and so um, that when Jesus comes and claims that he is the king, the son of David, he is fulfilling the Book of Kings. That's this, exactly this right. This promise. And it also yeah.
1: proves to you, like, what you said at the beginning, is that this the the historical backdrop is proving a theological point. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, they're inseparable from one another. Right. You cannot separate the political drama of a king mm-hmm. from God as king right. within a political sphere where Pilate, a Roman governor, murders him.
0: Right. Any or, more than you could separate the atonement of our sins from the crucifixion of Jesus on a Roman cross historically. You need the the
1: history and the theology to come together and that's the book right. of kings is always doing that. Yeah. So like yes, anyway. So that's the question. Who is this king? Yep. But what's fascinating mm-hmm. that I thought as we were studying this whole book was that the kings of Israel again feel like more like secondary actors yes to the prophets within Israel. Right. Now, we picked up on this in Samuel as well, yeah. how the king, the prophets seemed to take more of a central role than the kings did. And the kings, whether or not they listened to the prophets was what caused both Saul's and David's downfall. Mm-hmm. And we kind of have a similar thing happening in the book of First and Second Kings. That's right. And here's just a really cool meta point to make the point that the kings are the historical background to the actions of the prophets themselves. Mm. So think about this. Yep. So the world was created in ten words. Oh boy. So the word, So when God spoke in okay. in Genesis 1, yeah. God speaks 10 times. And he said, let there be light. And he said let oh, okay. water like there's be there and there's the 10
0: and he says. There's 10 and he says. Okay. 10 okay. and he says. When, is that like common Christian knowledge? I don't think it okay. is. I was like I didn't know that. <laughs> there's
1: 10 okay. and he says. Okay. And then on Mount Sinai, God has 10
0: commandments. I know that one. Did I get that one right? right.
1: (laughs) He says 10 things. They're even called 10 words. words, They're called the 10 words. And now here in the book of Kings, which outlines the entire history of Israel's kings Mm -hmm. and is summed up as 480 years, which is a multiple of... Numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what is four hundred eighty divided by twelve. Anyway, it's like. A do not ask me those dope. questions. Anyway, uh, there are ten prophets uh-huh. over the whole span of Israel's kingdom.
0: Mm. I, At least ten that are highlighted in the book.
1: Ten, yeah, yeah. Ten that are like it's a selective history of these ten prophets right. throughout this book, and there are ten of them. Okay. So I think what you're supposed to be reading here is like God is speaking again into this new. Eden project, this uh-huh. new world project. Like We keep reframing each like section of history as an r- attempt to bring about Eden. Absolutely. Joshua was attempt to bring about Eden. Moses was an attempt to bring about Eden. Um, Samuel and David were attempts to bring about mm-hmm. Eden. And Solomon, we'll get to that in a moment, yep. I'm sure, is another attempt to bring about the new Eden. Right. And then when you look at Israel's whole history from the establishment of its throne in, S- in David and S- Solomon to the end of exile, there are 10 words Mm. from God into that world
0: right god is trying god is bringing about god is seeking to bring out new creation like Mm -hmm. he did in the beginning when he spoke he's now speaking words through his prophets to bring about new creation in you know sinful israel Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's doing it through words like through commands telling them to repent to not worship false gods he's even some of the things are getting that were in the 10 commandments are getting repeated on the lips of the prophets yeah more important
1: than the historical Succession of kings is the words God is speaking to His people, yep. and this point is made even like by just uh, like looking at the book. Mm-hmm. So you have eleven chapters devoted to setting up King Solomon, right? And then you have over four hundred years of history that go by in moments, right? You have half a chapter dedicated to thirty years, another half chapter dedicated to sixty years, right? Several verses for another decade. The idea is the historical backdrop of the kings is not center stage. Mm-hmm. The words the prophets are. Right. But what God is speaking through these 10
0: people is right. more. Right, because the the middle of the book is all about the ministries of Elijah and yep. Elisha. And they take up this huge amount of space. Um, and it's all about the prophetic ministry of these guys. They're performing miracles. Mm-hmm. They're speaking the word of the Lord. They're rebuking kings, both mm-hmm. domestic and foreign. Yes, <laughs> you know. And so it's like the central work. And I mean, this has always been the way that um, the the Jewish people have treated this book. It is not classified as history in their canon, their collection of scriptures. Right. It is classified as part of their. Yes. Prophets. Right.
1: We we put this in like our historical books, right. but if you go and get a Tanakh, a yep. Jewish Old Testament, it's not even considered history, it's considered prophetic literature. Right. <laughs> There's like a history of understanding yes. kings, not as a succession of kings leading up to the exile. That's right. It's a prophetic, it's a prophetic literature word. teaching us something about yeah.
0: God. And another point I want to make about that, that's just like if you if you aren't convinced yet here here's the thing that broke it for me, that I was like, okay, I'm all in on this yeah. prophetic thing. Uh, is there's this constant kind of confusing uh, statement that's made usually at the end of every king's life. Mm -hmm. And it's, and the rest of the acts of King Solomon, are they not recorded in? And then it cites a source. It could be, the acts of solomon or the uh, the okay. chronicles of the kings of israel the chronicles of the kings of judah these books that we don't have anymore yeah uh, is not the book of chronicles no huh, it's different oh, okay. yeah and so um, if and, you're if
1: you're confused at the end of every king yeah. basically it says are not these acts recorded in Yeah, and they list a book right. where you can read about that king somewhere else and it's
0: like and it says are not the rest of the acts of this king so it's like, and, and sometimes we get hints of what he, what he talks about. Some some kings, it's his building projects or his wars or his policies. And it's like, if this was a political book, wouldn't those be the things that we focused on? What did this king do? Like, we'll be told that there's a good king even, who reigned for like over 40 years at a really long rule. And he has no mention of what he what he's done. We're just told that he lived, was good, died, and that his details are somewhere else. And yeah. like that's just proving that this is not a history book. It's not concerned with history. It's concerned with prophetically highlighting what is going on in Israel as it pertains to yeah. Israel's kings obeying the word of the Lord. Yes. Will they obey? Let's find out. Yep. <laughs> like, and even more to the point, if yep. you're not bought any yet,
1: <laughs> the prophets predict the fall of their kings. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if every time. Oh my gosh! But constantly, constantly. It's like they either the kings will fall because they fail to listen to God's mm-hmm. God's word declared in the prophet or the prophet will actually declare the end of a particular king like yep. um, Ahab were promised that he will fall by somebody's hand in oh, battle. Oh,
0: and like is and, that the one where he'll get like eaten by vultures or is that oh, somebody there's else? There's that one. There's like there's another it, one. Yeah. There's
1: all sorts of weird prophecies where like no, you'll get struck by an arrow randomly or you'll die and, oh. bl- and you'll get the dogs will lick up yeah. your blood. Or like and,
0: oh, you're going to get sick and die and you won't recover. Yeah, like yeah, the, the prophets yep.
1: drive the plot forward oh, in the yeah. book of kings. Yep. So,
0: showing Kings, ultimately that God is king. Showing ultimately that God is king. <laughs> God is in control.
1: The Book of Kings yep. is a book about the prophetic word of the Lord leading to the true king. Right which is really easy to see Jesus in just that broad mm, yes. idea of what is the book of Kings as prophetic literature pointing at the reign of the true King.
0: Yes. Because in the same way that the prophets came to the Kings and said, trust God, you are not enough. Your obedience is not enough. Your leadership is not enough. The temple's not enough. you like the law is not enough. Like we're going to show again and again and again, how you, you can't save yourself. Trust in the Lord. They came, the prophets came to the Kings to do that. The book of Kings then prophetically comes to us today and tells us to trust God alone. Yes. Like it's a it's a prophecy to us pleading with us yes. to throw our trust upon God.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then like yes. And so maybe before we like do the Jesus the Jesus turn and say, Oh, Jesus is the prophet who proclaims the reign of the true King mm-hmm. God, which he does. Yes. Uh, but what then was the message of the prophet? So if mm. the book is primarily prophetic literature, what are the prophets saying?
0: Yeah. I think the prophets are saying, and this we have to bring up something else here, the prophets are saying um, that the the kings need to stop offering divided worship. That's the the Mm -hmm. ultimate problem in the book of Kings, is that the kings are worshiping foreign false gods, and they're bringing idols into their land, they're worshiping the gods of the Canaanites, and so the prophets will tell them, like, to stop. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's divided worship, ultimately.
1: Yeah. So there's like what, hey, you're doing this, stop it. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 prophetic message isn't just you're doing wrong, stop oh, it. Right. It's here's how you escape. Yes. And so a lot of the times I think we read the book of Kings, or the book of Samuel, or a lot of prophetic literature, or a lot of scripture in general, and just say, oh, Israel's done badly. Israel therefore needs to get its act together. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it will die. Right. That's kind of the way we read it. It's like, oh... Jeremiah said this. Uh-huh. If Israel repents, right. everything will go back to normal again. That I don't actually think that's what the prophets say.
0: The no, I don't Kings. think so either.
1: I think the real message of the Book of Kings is that Israel has already sinned, mm-hmm. therefore Israel must die, and its only hope to live again mm-hmm. is to trust in God who gives new life.
0: That's right. Which like, is yeah, which is why like at the center of this book almost, we we have the very first resurrection account. Yep. It's a miracle mm-hmm. that Elijah performs. Um, someone dies and he's raised to life. A little boy dies. Yeah. And he's the dead. yeah. It's the
1: first time we have a resurrection in That's the right. entire scripture. And it's the and it's in the middle right. of the book and of then, Kings. And then like... Elisha does the Elisha same does thing. Elisha does the
0: same thing. Uh, and even Elisha's dead bones in the ground are... Someone, someone's dead body is tossed in alongside Elisha's bones. They touch Elisha's dead bones yeah. and they're raised to life. Yes. And it's like resurrection... I mean, we're, we're a little calloused to, to, resurrection. to resurrection miracles right. and like, that's right. We, as Christians, like, as Christians, we're like, we, Jesus, yeah. right. so so all the like, time. <laughs> if you're a Jewish person in this time, like this is, this is groundbreaking, right. And breaks a lot of categories. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, what you can, I mean, think about the psalmist. Think about David. It's like, once I go to Sheol, that's it. Once that's I go it. to the grave, that's it. Yeah. And it's like, wait, this guy went to the grave and came back. What? It's a big deal. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, I just want to highlight. Yes. Yeah. So Israel the, the, must die because they have broken the law.
1: What the prophets are going to proclaim over and over again. And then what the narrative of Kings itself says is that Israel has sinned already. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Israel is already dead. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they must cling to God who raises the dead. That's right. And then you see that in the actions of the prophet Elijah and Elisha, who literally raises two boys yep. from the dead. And then a dead man is thrown to bones and then risen to life again. Out of a grave. Out of a grave. Like, yep. The, the, uh, well, one of our sources, his name is Peter Lightheart, he says like the, the, the message of the book of Kings is evangelistic. Right. It's meant to convince us that God is the God that raises the dead. Right. Nations, peoples, dynasties, prophets, temples, yep. wisdom. Yep. Because bring it, us death,
0: because but God can bring us right, life. Right, because at the end of the book, mm-hmm. the temple of God is destroyed. Yes. Like the temple of God so, it, it, like in an, in the Israelites' mind, um, in its worst, like I guess in its like at worst, is thinking God is dead. Yeah, like God's been defeated by Murdoch, the king, mm-hmm. the the god of the Canaanites. You yeah, know? in
1: the ancient Israelite, in the ancient mind, in the ancient mind, yeah, gods were connected to land. That's right. So when you have a king like the king of Babylon coming in and taking everybody out of Israel, it kind it functionally in that society it would have meant God is dead Mm -hmm. and then people will even bring that up in Ezra and Nehemiah when uh, Sennacherib 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 comes and like mocks Israel saying we've already overtaken you once we'll do it again our gods are better than your gods like that's Mm -hmm. what was happening
0: oh yeah he shows up in Kings oh he does yes Sennacherib's in Kings yes that's right it's just a a really long book it's a long book I (laughs) keep getting messed up yeah Sennacherib comes to Hezekiah a second time and mocks that we've done this before and then Hezekiah trusts God right and then God kills Sennacherib so the point we're saying
1: here is like There is this, the message of the prophets mm-hmm. is that life comes after death. Yes. And that is a kind of a revolution yes. in what we've read so far. We get hints and little pieces mm-hmm. we as we've read through the stories so far. But the idea of resurrection life, like life coming after death, is a unique contribution King makes to our understanding of what God does in human history. Yeah. And obviously, this is shown in Jesus. Right. I mean, explicitly, he rises from the dead. Yeah, like, like yeah. The...
0: <laughs> and and he he's the ki- he's the ruling king, mm-hmm. the coming prophet, right? Who brings life out of death?
1: He's the prophet whose bones
0: bring new life. That's right. When we touch his bones yeah, in we, the grave, we bring... through our baptism. <laughs> yes. we spring to life. That's exactly right. We're thrown into the grave with him. He's the king who dies,
1: but through his death brings the like his new kingdom. And then I also want to like d- like kings also this is, kings is so much fun yeah, it is so we have this idea of a prophet who dies yeah we have the idea of a king who dies and mm-hmm. resurrection coming from those things but there's also other really important categories of things that die in the book of kings mm. so wisdom oh the yeah. first 11 chapters are all about solomon and the famous story of solomon asking for wisdom and god giving him wisdom mm-hmm. and then ruling the nation with wisdom It actually takes up more of any narrative in there it's all about wisdom yeah what's crazy about that is wisdom doesn't work. It fails. It dies. Yep. Wisdom through Solomon was perfectly executed, yep. presumably. Presumably. And it's not enough. Right. Even, as you've already said, the temple, the temple. Was se- is set up by Solomon, mm-hmm. and the, s- the temple, God's presence dwelling in Israel, dies as it's carted off to other nations. Right. It's not enough to save Israel. Kings are not enough to save Israel. Temple is not enough to save Israel. Wisdom dies and even
0: obeying the law dies. Right. The thing that said, the thing that offered life. And even at the beginning of Kings, it says, if you just obey this, you'll have life in the land. Yes. And it, it fails. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. And David tells his, tells Solomon, if you just follow the Lord's commands, you will live. Yeah. But he, uh, and what breaks that is like Josiah mm. at the very, very end of Israel's history. Josiah is this good king who we're told obeys the laws right. of the Lord, and institutes reform. He's and prophesied revival. at the beginning of the book. He's prophesied at the beginning of the book, and he comes and he obeys the law perfectly. And what happens? Exile. <laughs> yep. I shouldn't have smacked that my was table, very loud. But that was very loud. I'm excited. <laughs> the point is, yep. the book of Kings is showing us that like the Torah mm. can't save. Judah from destruction right like there is no refuge in the temple it's burned by the Babylonian King mm-hmm. everything that makes Israel Israel wisdom Torah temple yeah. a Davidic lineage all dies so that God can bring life in Jesus that's right that's the evangelistic
0: that's push. why it's evangelistic is because it it routes out every other like path to salvation you could possibly try to find. Like it right. it leaves you with only Jesus.
1: Right. And so and what does Jesus do in his life? Mm. He says, In I have come to fulfill the law. I have demonstrated and the, prophets. the law and the prophets. I I've lived out what king said died. Mm. He is true wisdom incarnate. What mm-hmm. are we told like after he died he grow like, when he was born? It, like the only verse about Jesus' adolescence is like he grew in wisdom and in stature, mm-hmm. and then Paul, reflecting on Jesus' cross and resurrection, will call it the power of God and, the, and wisdom. the wisdom of God. Who is the who? Where is the wisdom that resurrects us from the dead? Jesus. Yes. Where's the Torah and the prophets that raises us from the dead? Jesus. Mm-hmm. Who is the King of all the earth who dies and raises us to sit with him as hand. Right who is hand the son have, of David? Who is the son of David? It's Jesus. Yeah. The Book of Kings is like pushing us towards the fact that yes. there's. Life does come after death, but that death must be Jesus's.
0: All right, so I think there's another really big theme that's happening um, in Kings that is a little crazy. But it's it's, it's kind of like my favorite thing right now. Um, Continue. I'm, so I'm, I'm in you're, in you're all in for crazy. I'm in for crazy. Okay. Uh, it's not, it's not, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, unique to us. So it's not like we discovered something. This is something that everyone sees for the most part. Uh, we're just bringing it to attention. And I just think it's crazy. <laughs> so um, there are all these hints and callbacks and um, refrains being repeated that remind us of the Garden of Eden and mm-hmm. the first three chapters of the Bible. Um, and, and and so, like, as we've said before, th- this is supposed to be the next Eden project. Like, God's plan has always been to dwell with his people, right? Yeah. And so now we have a land. The people have a land. The people uh, have peace, you know? and the
1: promises to Abraham have been
0: fulfilled. Yep. And so now where's the presence like it's time for God's presence to come back into the land and for Eden to be restored. And so uh a big part of that's the temple, you yep. know. Um but uh you have uh Solomon, he 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 has this very famous story, right? In Solomon 3? Uh in in Kings 3. So Solomon yeah. 3, <laughs> Solomon
1: 3. Yeah. Before you get to Solomon 3, can yep. I set you up even better for oh, what you're about to do. Please do. So in in 1 Kings two, mm-hmm. David is instructing Solomon about how he should live his life, how he should rule the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And he starts with a series of seven. Oh, should ring creation bells in your head. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Uh, and he says, he says this, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man, which is a repetition of Joshua, yes. which is interesting. Uh, but anyway, he says, keep charge of the Lord your God, walking his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies as is written in the law of moses that's seven different ways to describe the torah mm. and then he says so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn mm. and that word prosper is back from genesis uh two mm. uh, th- from three six when god describes when uh, they will be prosperous in the land they'll succeed in the land wherever they go
0: oh okay. so
1: david tells how do you create the new Eden Solomon? Uh-huh. Obey, obey the Torah. Obey the Torah uh-huh. and you will see Eden come alive in your kingship. Mm, yep. So he's teaching his son good advice. The Torah is the tree of life. Mm-hmm. When he obeys, eats its fruit, does it, he'll see success in his land. Yes. That's what that's what David tells his son.
0: Yes. And yet also, in the opening two chapters, to e- further set up the Eden metaphor, yes, yes. we we have a repetition in Second uh, Kings one four uh, and First Kings two fourteen. So uh, only at the beginning here, First yep. Kings two two. Sorry, First Kings two forty two. Two forty two. You have um, the first re- repeat. I believe. I, I think I looked this up. The first repeat of this really important phrase. Um, Bayom mot tamut.
1: The, in, in English, it says the king sent and summoned Shimei and said to him, did I not make you swear by the Lord and solemnly swear to you saying no for certain on the day you go out and you go to any place, whatever you shall die.
0: You shall die. Or some of your translations might say you shall surely die, okay. which if that sets off alarm bells in your head, it should because it's what God told Adam and Eve about the tree of knowledge. Hmm. He said, if you eat, the day you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. And it's that day you shall surely die. Be'yom mot tamut is the Hebrew phrasing of that. So we have
1: that. David repeating, like, eat from the tree of life, seven days uh-huh. of creation, wisdom, choose life, then you'll succeed. And then we have a curse pronounced or a, a uh-huh. warning. a di- Right. If you do, do dying. otherwise, yeah. dying you will
0: die. Dying you will die. Which is the
1: literal translation, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: yeah, dying. dying you will die. And so um. uh, that day, dying you will die. Okay. And so you have that, and it's repeated again at the beginning of 2 Kings. And so it's like, it's said a couple times, and then it's, it's again in 2 Kings 8:10. Three times in the book of Kings, you have this unique Genesis curse: dying you shall die. So anyway, alarm bells are going off for Eden, and then we get to Solomon. And um, he is already will
1: he eat from the tree of life, yeah, yeah. or the tree of right. knowledge. Good, Both evil. are
0: set before him. Right. Yes. Well, you can
1: die and eat from this tree, or you can have life and have creation in Eden right before you, if right you here. If you eat
0: from the tree of the Torah, and so
1: that's when he makes that prayer, right? Right.
0: So he's at the Ark of the Covenant, right, which is a extremely. Like uh, he, significant I think thing? Is,
1: that, is that is that where he's at? I think he goes to uh, where the tabernacle is, where okay. where Moses and Saul, and Joshua set up the tabernacle. Okay. Yes. Regardless, yes, he regardless. has
0: this dream, and God visits him in this dream and basically gives him like a one wish genie moment. You know, it is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, ask me of anything, you know, and you can have it. And he says, okay, I want to know Tov and Ra, good and evil.
1: Is that the same words in Genesis? It's the exact same words used so in Genesis. Like, so the, the, the tree the of... The tree of
0: Tov and Ra, Like
1: Okay, so there's a tree of life, yep. and then there's the tree of Tov and Ra, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yep. Those are the two trees Those are Genesis. the two
0: trees, okay. and so he asked to know good and evil. And, so... Yeah. <laughs> but shouldn't he want to know life? He and, He should want to know life. So is it a bad thing? So it's confusing... It's, and it's, I think it's intentionally confusing and we'll get there, but we have to back up a little okay. bit to know why it's confusing. Okay. So, cause what I, what I'm yeah. hearing so
1: far <laughs> is that, okay, hints of Genesis, mm-hmm. Solomon, if you do right, Genesis will be recreated. Yep. Eden will come here. Don't die. Don't transgress the law. Don't die. Don't right. eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eat of the tree of life. Follow the Torah. Right. And then when he's offered the opportunity to ask for anything he wants
0: he asks for the knowledge of good and evil. Which is, should be,
1: that's the wrong tree. That's the wrong tree.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, but, now so, but, it's, but it's confusing. Okay. Because God, for one, God says he asks for a good thing. Right? Right. He asked for good, he asked for wisdom. Yeah. Right? And so, and, and then, then God God's, gives him God all gives other him stuff. Everything else. He gives him the Lamborghini and the big house too, you know, Got in it. a sense. Yes. Uh, but what's, but you have to kind of go back and remember what was the offering that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil made? To, e- to Eve, right to make to make one wise like God. That was the sin was to be wise like God to know good and evil. Mm-hmm. That was the first sin that Adam and Eve committed, and so. But 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 you have to then understand that then we were put under a curse after that. Like like humanity can't go back. We've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hold on. So is wisdom
1: s- sinful in that respect? So uh, that's yeah, what, I, guess, I know what you mean. That's because yeah. you said like to to it was it, the, the tree was good to make one wise right. and they were punished for wanting to be wise i'm also thinking about like proverbs 1 where it says yep. like the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and mm-hmm. like the pursuit of wisdom is a good thing yeah. so like so
0: well, yeah. there's a lot happening here so the, for adam and eve the idea was that they should just trust god that they didn't need to have exhaustive knowledge about what he was doing or what every form of goodness looked like or every form of evil looked like. But they just needed to trust that what God had already told them in the garden was enough. Fear God. Fear God. That's the beginning of wisdom. Keep
1: his commandments. Right. And then that's wisdom.
0: Yeah. Not knowing all of good and evil, but just trusting that God has given you what you need to navigate the world. And not do evil, yeah. but do good.
1: So the reason why it's a good thing for Solomon to want to know good and evil is because he lives in a world of good and evil. So
0: that's right. So, th- so we are now under the curse. Right. So now we do live in a world where we know good and evil. Right. There are good and evil. And uh, over and over again throughout the biblical story, we have failed to do the good and instead we've chosen evil so the torah comes along the law comes to us and says here's what's good here's what's evil because you can't parse it out for yourself so let me tell you what's good let me tell you what's evil and now this has become a tree of life in the midst of a world of the knowledge of good and evil so in a sense,
1: like the Torah is, is, a, is, in a sense, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's like t- it explains why things are good and why things are bad. And when you follow that knowledge of good and evil, God's knowledge of good and evil. It's
0: a, it's a tree of life in the middle of, it's, it's mm. one tree in the middle of a world of trees of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. Because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil isn't just knowing right and wrong. It's seeking to, to choose right and wrong apart from God to right. define the terms yourself.
1: Right, yes, yeah, because Adam and Eve like knew what was right and wrong in but God's they, eyes, in God's eyes, yes. but they just cho- they wanted to do it themselves. And like, no, no, what's right for me is that I know both Tove and Ra, both good and evil. That's right. So the reason why Solomon's request is good then mm-hmm. is because he knows he lives in a cursed world. Yes. he knows there's evil and good around him, and he wants to know the difference in order that he might do the right thing. Yes, and to fear God well. that's that's the reason why
0: that's the reason why it's good, but it's tinged you know, with this like weird, could it be bad? Could it be bad question that should resound in a Hebrew, mi- a Hebrew's mind. I think hmm. that it's like, man, I, rem- I remember the last time I read these words and someone who ate from that tree didn't go well for them. Yeah.
1: And then I guess to your, to that point is the, the beginning narratives with yes. David and Solomon is a little strange. It's strange. They have like, they're, there's these like series of like political assassinations Mm -hmm. that uh, Solomon and David commit together. Yes. Which in some sense makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like there's these enemies to the throne that they're knocking off. Yeah, but
0: some of them seem capricious. Other times it seems like David is obeying the letter of the vows he's made to people. You know, he's like, well, I won't kill this person, but I'll have Solomon kill him. And it's like, hmm, was that good or bad? Well, he didn't do it wrong, but it wasn't merciful. And so it's just like, It's weird. You know, there's this, there's this like these, these seeds of distrust and tension of is the opening of Kings good or bad? Is it Tov or is it raw?
1: Well, and even in Solomon three, right before he asks uh, for wisdom, we're told that he marries one of Pharaoh's daughter.
0: Yes. So before he repeats Genesis, he repeats Exodus. Which, yeah. Which he... So he becomes... And we're going to see him become even after he gets Toven raw after After he eats from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're going to see that he becomes more like Pharaoh than like David.
1: Because eventually he'll amass Egyptian horses and mm-hmm. chariots. He'll make up a whole bunch of slaves of the other nations and even his
0: own people. His own people. So, okay. So, so Solomon... I, I I think I think I'm sure a lot of people listening have a romanticized view of Solomon mm-hmm. and this beautiful request for wisdom instead of riches. And in here, it's it's, it's all, a good thing. It's a good thing. It but is. But it is tinged with. And maybe the like, thing discord. that we
1: should take away from that, even just like practically, is that wisdom can kind of cut both ways. Mm-hmm. Like the ability to know good from evil and to understand the way the cursed world works, which I guess is what Solomon is asking mm-hmm. to, to understand, can be used to honor God. Or it can be used to honor yourself, and right. to use to further your own agenda, which right. is what, exactly what happened to Solomon. It's used yes. to consolidate his power. He amasses over seven hundred wives. It's used to make mm-hmm. treaties with all these other nations, and eventually ends to his downfall. Yeah. So, like, wisdom isn't a neutral good. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, the, the, the the knowing good from evil isn't neutral? It's a neutral. It's a neutral. It good. is truly Satan neutral. showed
0: craftiness or wisdom right. in the it garden. Is-
1: It's like, it's a neutral. That's right. And then whether or not you honor God or don't honor God is important.
0: So let me add one more hue of color to this, because this is especially for spoken gospel and my personal convictions that I think at the heart of every sin is legalism. Okay. (laughs) I want to point this out, that there are some commentators, uh, and I think they argue it convincingly. I'm reading a guy called Provan, and and he uh, and others argue that Solomon's request was legalistic that he wanted to know good and evil, right? So that he could perfectly obey the Torah so that he could save Israel from the punishment he knew was coming. If, If, like you said earlier, Israel must die and Solomon, having read Deuteronomy, knows this to be true because of their past and Israel must be exiled, must be killed, then he's thinking that if he knows perfectly good and evil, then he can perfectly follow the Torah and earn God's favor for Israel.
1: And that's been the good news throughout the Torah, right? Like if you do well, you'll be blessed in the land. You'll live long, and you'll prosper, and you'll eat milk and honey. Like the, 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 the hope has been if you obey the, the Torah, yeah.
0: you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll be saved, you'll be successful, right? So he's doing the right thing by wanting that, right? Kind of. Uh, I think the hope of the Torah is love God, is the hope of Deuteronomy. Love God and then you will obey him. He doesn't ask for love of God, like, you know, like, right. and, and so like he's, I think he's taking and, and uh, strikingly missing from all of these um, repeats of the second Samuel seven promise that God made to yeah. David is God's eternal, unbreaking, everlasting promise that he will do it even in the midst of Solomon or whoever his son would be's sins. Yeah. And so it's just the only thing that's highlighted by David and by Solomon is obey and you'll do well. Hmm. And that's it. I mean, there's, that... there's no grace there. Hmm. And, and God has grace in his promise and it's forgotten by this time.
1: Interesting. So what you're saying is like Solomon is trying to earn God's salvation rather than trusting God himself. That's
0: right. Which that goes back to the Garden of Eden for me. Because I'm convinced, and I've written about this in my book, Rewire Your Heart, that Eve's sin at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was legalistic. That she wanted to know good and evil so that she could earn, earn further God's kingdom in the garden instead of just trusting that what he said was enough. Hmm. That she wanted to do more herself. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Because I think I've been reading the Torah so far as like, good news in and of itself, like to an Israelite yes. in that period of time, if you obey the law, mm-hmm. it will go well for you. You will experience God's goodness and favor. So love God and keep his commandments.
0: But I think, I think that's the, one of the ways to read the law, yeah. right? But I'm as the Torah, as a whole story, the good news of the Torah is that God saves before we do anything good. He saved Israel before they obeyed the covenant. Before there was a covenant, he saved. He chose Abraham before he had done anything good, right? And so, like the news of the, the good news of the Torah is that God is gracious, that God is love, and we're going to see that play out in Kings as he right. continues long suffering with these terrible kings, and then the Torah is how to live in right relationship with that God, who you're obeying because you love.
1: Okay. So then let's just let's just. Take that at face value, then. So, if we're, and the reason we're spending so much time mm-hmm. here, I should just flag it's like, well, why are we talking about wisdom in the middle of this? Like, the first 11 chapters mm-hmm. of the book of Kings is centered around Solomon this request for wisdom and the building of his temple it's, right it's really central to the first 11 chapters the longest period of time spent in the book of kings on a particular king mm-hmm. and then how does that idea about wisdom and trying to follow god or not following god play out across the rest of the book because i think that's the question i'm asking at this point it's like, mm-hmm. okay i want to understand the intricacies of wisdom but wait isn't that proverbs isn't that ecclesiastes right. isn't that no because uh, it's going
0: to play out again and again right that in solomon asking for wisdom we get we get the point of the whole book is that wisdom is listening to the voice of the lord in order to do good instead of bad Mm -hmm. and we're going to see again and again that there are kings who do not listen to the voice of the lord on the lips of the prophets and therefore it goes bad for them
1: yeah and then back to our original point even when kings do obey Mm -hmm. like josiah Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually save them right it doesn't prevent exile from coming right so to your point of saying like doing what the law commands has never been enough right there's always been a prior act of God's salvation like saving Israel from Egypt yes before the law was even instituted mm-hmm. and so even here where it seems
0: as if the hope is do well be wise and it'll go well for you it just seems to break the real hope should have been God will have an everlasting king on the throne of David
1: and then you the just I, need
0: to trust that. It's going to happen graciously because of his everlasting covenant, not because you earned it.
1: And so in, so in the, so in the advent, leaning of the evangelistic theme, mm-hmm, we picked mm-hmm. up like human wisdom must die mm-hmm. in order for true wisdom to rise. Yes. And so in Jesus, we get that same type of turn, right? Like yes. Human wisdom would say the king shouldn't die. Human wisdom would say that Jesus lived a perfect life. And so he should have been mm-hmm. like elevated and rewarded for what good that he did and not experience injustice. But when human wisdom dies, when it's proven to be inefficient or ineffective in bringing about God's kingdom, we're shown true wisdom that God brings life from the dead. And when you trust God more than your own wisdom and your own determination between right and wrong, you will be raised too.
0: Right, yes. That's it. It is, and I think we can highlight that even more by, by, by knowing that Solomon uh, is a new Adam, you know, he's the new Adam who eats from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, hopefully for good this time. Right. Uh, and all his children after him are the rest of the Kings and they, they are made in his image in a sense. And, um, he has all wisdom. He has all knowledge, right? He's a, in a sense, a better person than you and I could ever be because he just knows more. You know, he knows the intricacies of the world. And he better. has a
1: God-given gift for wisdom that we don't have. But wait, don't like... Well, whole, we do. We, we'll, get whole, yeah, we'll get yeah. there. We'll get
0: there. And so what I'm saying is, I I just want to say like, we all want to be the exception to the rule of legalism. That everyone thinks that, like when when I say you can't save yourself, you know, people automatically think, well, like, I'm not that bad. Or like, I'm actually pretty good. Or like, we all think that we'll be the exception. And Solomon being the new Adam who has all wisdom and is could have been the best person ever, he failed. And so no one is exempt from the curse yeah. at all. Like,
1: yeah, the Davidic king <laughs> yeah. who is the descendant of Eve, who is supposed to be the snake crusher, who knows all wisdom and who knows all bad, can't actually yeah. save. You
0: cannot save yourself through good works. You cannot. You cannot. And so, wisdom. You cannot yeah.
1: save yourself through wisdom, through right. knowing enough, understanding the world enough. Yep. It's, it's it's a futile exercise to to go off your own determinations of right and wrong. That's right. It will not save you.
0: Right. Which is why, as you were getting at, the Holy Spirit is such good news that comes to us because that is the the knowledge, the mind of God coming to us, helping us know right from wrong, like to choose good over evil and actually can override our simple inclinations. I have like thought about the Holy Spirit
1: like, coming into us as like the same type of gift that Solomon gets here. Mm. It's like Solomon, like or even like when we ask for the Spirit, or when we seek First, the kingdom of God, all of these things are added to us. Yes. In the same way, like, the, the, like Solomon seeks wisdom here and everything else is granted to him. Mm-hmm. And, and when Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done in the Beatitudes, he even says, like, this gift is the Holy Spirit. Mm. Like, the way in which we get the whole kingdom is by having the deposit of wisdom, mm-hmm. which is the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Right.
0: Which is why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, right around that same time, says that, all the grass in the field is clothed in a way that Solomon was never even clothed. Like he, he flagged Solomon for us in that context that like the Holy spirit is what adds everything. And so I think what's also good news about that. I think we talked about this
1: back in one of our Ecclesiastes podcasts Mm. about like, how Solomon had to ask for the, the discernment to, to choose between good and evil. Mm-hmm. But will it, choosing between good and evil based on your knowledge fails, as yep. he sees. What we need instead is a new inclination or new intuition on what is good by default. We need new default settings in our heart. Right. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, he gives us something better than what Solomon had. If Solomon mm-hmm. had the ability to know good and evil, we had the spirit of the tree of life inside of us who gives us hearts that desire and are pulled towards good yep. all the time without having to explore evil right so i think that's part of the other issue it's like i, I mean I've, i was a pastor like i talked to all these kids with like decades long you know porn addictions and stuff yeah. and i just never struggled with that on the same level so i was always like man i can't help them because mm-hmm. i haven't experienced the depth of their pain or they haven't experienced the same thing that they had no Solomon would say, the Holy Spirit would say, no, you don't need that. When you have the knowledge of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit within inside of you, your heart tends towards the tree of life so that you can mm-hmm. lead others towards the tree of life. You don't need to know evil to speak against evil, to draw people out of evil. All you need is the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, and you can escape the cycle that we see in Kings.
0: Right. And that is a big deal um, to name real quick, that the cycle we see in Kings are, you have good Kings and you have bad Kings. But no king, save really Josiah, um, uh, obeys God with their whole heart. Uh, because even good kings like Hezekiah, you know, they they tear down um, you know idol places of idol worship and false gods, and they restore worship to the true God of Israel. Um, but there's always this looming problem in Northern Israel because uh, we'll have to talk about the kingdom yeah. split here in a second. Uh, that there's a repeat of Exodus and jeroboam had erected two golden calves and no one ever tears them down you know <laughs> like and so we're always told that yeah this king was good but he didn't obey god with his whole heart because he didn't tear down the golden calves that, Jer- that jeroboam erected in northern israel and so it's like there's this problem that even the best kings even those who who do right in the eyes of the lord and it's really good they fail because there was still one outpost of sin they were unable to conquer and, like, that is the, the like, a, a yeah. big picture of life without a Savior like Jesus and life without the Holy Spirit is that even given enough time, you know, in your best possible efforts, you would not totally root out sin in your life or the world around you so much so to deserve salvation from the judgment that you've earned.
1: So the so the closed loop in just the wisdom narrative mm-hmm. then. So just t- I, w- I, w- I want to talk about all that using wisdom language. Okay. Be- so, we have this strong category of wisdom set up yep. to show us that our own wisdom, our own determination between good and evil, just mm-hmm. are insufficient to establish and maintain God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. We'll need a different type of wisdom placed in our hearts, like Solomon was given a type of wisdom in his heart. Solomon's wisdom was great, but it kind of led him both directions. Yep. It was a neutral; it yep. led him to use it either on his own desires or for the desires of God. The wisdom that we're given by the Holy Spirit. Is not neutral it tends positively it tends towards the lord and his law and towards the tree of life so we're automatically drawn that way so unlike the kings here who are always trying to determine what to do or what not to do in their kingdom and would always leave some outpost of sin somewhere Mm -hmm. god has given us a deposit of wisdom in the holy spirit that always tends towards him and towards the tree of knowledge of good and evil so that progressively over the course of our life there will be no kingdom no idol left in us as we follow him mm-hmm. like he's steadily uprooting it with no regression like unlike the kings who experience regression mm. progression in christ in the wisdom of the holy spirit we're always pushing back the idolatries in our heart and moving forward and forward until when we're with the lord all those outposts mm-hmm. will be taken out there will be no kingdom and no idolatry left the holy spirit makes us into the wise king solomon never could be
0: yep i think it's so good and Solomon, nor any king, could ever be,
1: and that comes through the prophetic message of
0: wisdom yes. must
1: die mm-hmm. in order for our human wisdom must right. die, which is
0: why, as you said earlier, the, the the message of the prophets wasn't reform your ways and you'll be saved, right? Because you can't. It was death is coming. Trust in the one who will give new life. Trust, which in is the Lord. which is really interesting too. That when we're told that uh, a king does good, like there's every every king is is ascribed a moral judgment. He did what was good in the eyes of the Lord. He did what was bad in the eyes of the Lord. And what's interesting, just from a nerd standpoint, is that when we're told that a king does bad in the sight of the Lord or does evil in the sight of the Lord, that is raw. Oh, the same word from... The same word from Solomon. Solomon asks, I want to know good and evil. That's evil. But we're never told, even when the king does good, we're never told that he does tov. Interesting. So no one gets God's goodness. Right until Jesus and God, then gives us His cho- His Tove. Mm-hmm. He gives us His goodness, His righteousness, like something that no king could ever get, even whenever he prayed for it. You know, <laughs> like pretty, yeah. Jesus gives us freely. It was just neat.
1: It is neat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so before we close out this episode, uh, we figured we should actually talk a little bit about what happens in the overarching yeah, narrative of gone this through difficult all the book. we the
1: themes of like what you should expect and what you yes. should see and things you should look out for, but the actual story, the history that it actually covers... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're
0: like, hey, we should talk about that real quick. Yeah. Uh, so we want to do that two ways, really fast. One is we want to talk about one last theme that will get repeated over and over and over again, and then we want to put it all together in some of the broad historical categories to help you think about as you encounter a bunch of names and places, uh, that will kind of just help frame yep. the book as you read through it. So the theme is God's love that yep. we're going to talk about.
1: I think it's really easy to come to Kings and be like, "Man, God's kind of mad, hmm. he's kind of angry," or like even that idea, like um, the God of the Old Testament's kind of cruel right. and vindictive, and the God of the New Testament's all love and mercy, mm-hmm. and so exciting to be around. Uh, that I don't think that, and I think you will be tempted as you read the book of First Kings to emphasize God's judgment of evil kings over his love towards evil kings, mm. which is actually the more predominant theme throughout the book.
0: And confusing one.
1: And the confu- I mean, like, for, a really simple example is uh, King Ahab, uh, so, or Ahaz. Mm-hmm. So Ahaz replaces the altar of Moses with an altar that he designs for himself and then puts it in there with his own temple furnishing. It's like it's the like, worst thing. It's like, so you've desecrated God's temple with things that you just thought up. Yeah. But one, God leaves the temple standing. Yeah. His presence, presumably, is still there. And then later on, his sons, he and then later on, he will give his himself victory in battle. He'll give Ahaz. Ahaz
0: victory in battle. Victory in like, battle. Like, is that Tw- the one, twice? Twice. Yeah.
1: Be- and you know why? Ahab... Uh, ahaz Amen. repents at one point. He humbles himself before the Lord, and the pro the prophet is like rebuking him, and then God rebukes the prophet, saying, "No, no, no! Look at him. He repented. You should he, we should extend mercy to him." Ugh. So you have a man who should not be receiving mercy from God, but is actually given mercy twice. Yes, is acknowledged for his humility, and that is just one example yes. of it happening. Over and over and over again. Right. One of the com-
0: one of the commentators we read, uh, he said that uh, by the end of Kings, you shouldn't be thinking like, um, "Man, how could God destroy the temple?" Like, man, this is so, so mean. mean. Yeah. What you should be saying is, "Finally, yeah. finally, here's, their here's sin the, caught up with
1: them." Here's the here's the quote. Uh, the impression we get from First and Second Kings is not that God is a stingy disciplinarian with an anger problem. <laughs> If anything, the God of First and Second Kings is irresponsibly indulgent towards mm. his people. A God who does not seem to realize he cannot run the world without a dose of law and order. Mm. That's the kind of picture you get. Like God is like letting a whole bunch of junk yeah. happen in his nation. And still he puts one of David's sons yep. in a royal court by the end of it. This God is mismanaging his universe. Right, and so
0: we have to ask the question, why?
1: Why? Why would
0: God do this? Like, one, God is love. God is long-suffering and merciful uh, and kind and compassionate, and he's just putting all that on display. Like, that's just his character, who he is. Uh, The other is because God promised. We're going to hear over and over and over again that God is going to um, act in ways that people don't deserve. He's going to act mercis- mercifully and graciously because of the promise he made to David. Because he That's promised right. that a king would sit on David's throne so he can't utterly destroy them. He's always got. To, he's always bound by his own word and bound by his own love to leave a shred of hope for Israel yeah. and for the whole world. Um, and so it's like God's love... Wins the day in yeah. this in this book,
1: and even more explicitly, God's love enthrones mm. sinful people. Ugh. Ephesians two, mm. God dies so that we might be seated at His right hand in heavenly places. God's love enthrones sinful people.
0: Yeah, you're talking about, and like that happens all throughout, all throughout scripture, but it's at the end. It's Jehoiakim. It's
1: Jehoiakim. And it's like, he's the worst. He's the worst. He's terrible. He's the one that actually, and he's the last one. Yeah. He's the the last last one.
0: And he's enthroned and given a Royal meal. And it's like in, in in like the lap of luxury, like he's in like Abu Dhabi or something, you know, like he's like living the penthouse life. And it's like, why he doesn't deserve that. I'm kind of mad at the end of, at the end of Kings. And I'm like, Oh, that's what God did to me. Like I was the worst. And God gave me a throne and a feast through Jesus because he's loving. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. <laughs> that's
1: pretty cool. That's,
0: that's that, good. That's
1: the end of the book. So yeah. here, so if you were like, what on earth is actually happening in the book of Kings? Yes. Here's the story. So those are the broad strokes, themes mm-hmm. you should be looking out for. As you read them, just flag them in your Bible. I just underline stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is what Seth and David we're talking about. I yep. don't listen to my own podcast. You don't, then read the Bible. Oh, okay. I yeah. uh, normally like anyway. Regardless, <laughs> just try to track on with what our might, might be happening in our listeners' lives. Regardless, yes. The story is mm-hmm. David is on the verge of death. And yep. He hands over his throne to Solomon after a coup attempt by his other son Adam- Adonijah. Adonijah. Solomon takes the throne, asks for wisdom, establishes God's temple. And then doesn't end up following God's wisdom or God's laws. Right. He breaks all the commands that God gave kings in Deuteronomy 7, mm-hmm. which was read the law every day, don't amass a lot of wives, don't a lot of fortunes, don't have Egyptian horses, don't have Egyptian
0: wives. He breaks them all. He breaks them all. And then he builds a ton of, like, false temples for false gods for his wives to go worship in. Yeah. Like, Solomon is the one who introduces all this pagan worship in the land of Israel,
1: and then all of Solomon's sons, for the most part, follow in his, his father's right. footsteps.
0: A really important thing that happens. Yeah. Right. And but, so
1: at the very and so the very start that like leads this whole thing off mm-hmm. is there's a civil war. Yes. In Israel after Solomon's death, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain this part.
0: I can try. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Rehoboam is Solomon's son, right? Yep. Yes. And he, then Jeroboam is someone that God raises up. Jeroboam was the,
1: he was in charge of all the slaves of
0: Israel. That's right. He was over, the, he was like a general of the forced labor yeah. and he stewarded his people really well. Yeah. And so God sends a prophet or a priest uh, to uh, Jeroboam and says, he anoints him just like he did David. Yeah. And he anoints him outside of the normal yeah. palace practices. So this is like a repeat of the David story. And like anoints him and Jeroboam, he said, you're going to reign as king. And so, uh, and then he takes a brand new garment and he rips it into 12 pieces to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And he gives 10 of the tribes to Jeroboam and that those 10 tribes. So those are the 10 tribes other than Judah and Benjamin. Those, those are the two, those are the other 10 tribes go to Jeroboam. And that constitutes what's called Israel in your copy of kings right so and, and so anytime you read the word israel it's talking about jeroboam and his line after him yeah. and the northern kingdom the 10 tribes anytime it says judah it's referring it's to the southern <laughs> kingdom and rehoboam's line mm-hmm. after or solomon's line if yeah. you will after and that's the anytime you're in judah that is david's line so that's the yep. that's the messianic line that you're like what's going to happen the only, there the
1: one with only two tribes the messianic line that's right judah and benjamin
0: are there And so you're going to, we're going to trace them. And so what's confusing is you're going to read at the beginning of each story. It's going to say, uh, it's going to position you, uh, in, in one of the two places, you're I, either going to find yourself in Israel or in Judah for that story, which is really confusing. Very confusing.
1: Cause Israel and Judah are the same person if back in <laughs> oh, Genesis <yeah. laughs> or no, no, it's Israel, Jacob, Jacob. Jacob sorry. Yeah, 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 anyway, Judah is one of his sons. That's right.
0: Okay. And so, so what's, what's going to happen is you're going to need to pay attention to those headings where it's going to say during the reign of King blank, the King of Judah, so-and-so reigned in Israel. So yeah. you'll need to go, okay, so I'm in Israel. This is the new king in Israel and it's during the reign of so and so in Judah. Yeah. And so you just need to know okay I'm in the north. This or... is this is Jeroboam's line. This is not the messianic line. And then it's going to say during the reign of king blank king of Israel this guy reigned in Judah. Okay, I'm yeah. in Judah. I'm in the southern kingdom. This is yeah. the messianic line. So you're going to follow these people and it's going to overlap. Their stories are all going to overlap and yeah. run you'll, together. You'll like yep. One king will die halfway through another king's life and you just have to try to There's two kings named
1: up. Jeroboam. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> You just
0: have to keep up with usually two kings, maybe three at a time uh, because you're in two different places at a time. And it, it's it's semi-chronological, cr- but sometimes it has to jump back 20 years yeah. to be like, okay, now that was the end of that northern king's life but let's rewind 20 years to the southern king's life. So,
1: a- so after Solomon, what happens <laughs> yes. is there's a civil war. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, mm-hmm. cracks down on all the forced laborers. Oh, yeah. That it, line is uh, is amazing. Like, my, my, uh, my pinky is fatter than my father's waist. And he wants to- s- Or his thigh. His thigh. Yeah. And he wants to whip people, not with uh, whips, but with scorpions. Yeah. So it's really intense. And then so Jeroboam leads a slave rebellion. Mm-hmm. They don't want to- rule that way no it's they don't want to be ruled that way so he leads a slave rebellion and they're in constant conflict mm-hmm. and you're going to read all the kings from those two divided nations yep. throughout the rest of the book of kings that's right and, and something
0: really important happens at that division yeah so they jeroboam realizes that if if his people the 10 tribes of israel continually go to jerusalem in the southern kingdom in judah to meet with yahweh and worship him there in the temple that their hearts will be turned to the southern kingdom And they will leave his northern kingdom and go to the south. And so he's afraid that he'll lose and him and his sons will lose the kingdom. And so what he does is he builds a new temple in the north. And that's where he builds the two golden calves. So that way he can control his throne politically through religious means. So, And what you'll notice is in the
1: northern kingdom, every king from the northern kingdom is said to be bad. Yep. Not one king is told that's good. We're not told one king that follows in the path of David or does what's right in the sight of the Lord. Every king in the north, bad king. Yeah. In the south, we get,
0: I think... Mostly bad kings. Mostly bad, but there's two that's good, right? There's, or, there's several good ones. Exactly. We just don't always hear their stories. We don't always hear... But we are, we're, we're... Hezekiah and Josiah are the two heavy hitters. And they're near the end. And they're near the end. <laughs> and they're near
1: the end. And you'll get and you'll get to them. And then by the end of the book, and so that basically tracks that history until the civil war d- dissolves. Yep. And so what happens?
0: In uh, you'll you'll see Assyria um, around the middle of Second Kings. Assyria will take the northern kingdom into exile. So that was Jeroboam's line. That's where the okay. calves were. That's the northern kingdom. Uh, Assyria takes them into exile and then years later the Babylon Babylon and the Babylonians come and take the southern kingdom of Judah in exile and that's where the book ends yes so that's helpful to just kind of lay out that's what happens in the book
1: you're watching the fall of the Davidic monarchy
0: that's right it's first it fractures. And then the north part is picked off and then the southern part is picked off and then there's nothing left and the except pro- one evil king on a foreign throne.
1: And the prophetic evangelistic <laughs> point of all that is Israel must die mm-hmm. if it wants to be raised again.
0: And then Jesus, as the new Israel, dies, raises again to bring life to the new kingdom of God. To
1: all peoples of the earth. Yeah. So that's,
0: that's, that's kings. It. That's the book of kings. <laughs> 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 Woo! We did it. How do you feel?
1: I feel great, actually. That was really life-giving and fun good. and exciting. It yeah. was
0: nice. To, uh, we've been studying this one for a long time, and it feels good to actually have just sat down and talked about it. Was
1: it was also like the first book that just felt like, man, I just can't keep all the details in my head at no, once. it's a lot. Like, I, and the more I studied about kings, the less I feel like, really confident in a certain like, line of interpretation. But, yeah,
0: like, because there's so much happening.
1: There's so much happening, and like, I'm just a man. Yep, I'm a limited man with limited brain space And yep. I felt myself coming up against it in the book of kings But I'm really excited for yep. what we studied so far
0: So if you're frustrated in kings as you read it We are with you <laughs> We are with you
1: but if you have any questions, we would love to hear them mm-hmm. because we we want to hear your questions. Yeah,
0: so just uh, you can email us at podcast at spokengospel.com, podcast, singular, at yep. spoken gospel.com. We'd love to talk to you.
1: Yeah, send us a voice message, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do like some sort of question and answer mm-hmm. thing in the future. And if you haven't already, please uh, subscribe and uh, leave us a review. We'd love that. It's yep. other people find Jesus in all Scripture. Yeah,
0: so thank you guys for listening. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.